0: This is the Morning Rush.
1: Coming up on today's show, the Bruins for the capital season on ice. The Wizards and 76ers kick off their first round playoff series. Phil Mickelson. Phil. Phil, it's me, man. Phil, Phil wins one for us old guys. And the Pirates have an embarrassing series against the Braves. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of The Rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another Essential Work Week. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Uh, check out our Twitter pages, at WCMD Morning Rush. My page, at Rush Tony C. Our Facebook page, at WCMD Cumberland Radio. All of those pages, free and open to the public. Like them, follow them. Leave me a message, drop me a line. You know the deal by now. Taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance, come on. 301-759-2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. Again, you know the deal. We upload every show every day, minus commercials. You missed anything, you can go back and check it out. Just download that Podbean app on your phone or tablet. Again, it's free, and all the shows uh, will be right there. Busy weekend in sports, a lot to get to today. So, without uh, further ado, let's rock around the region. And we start with the Stanley Cup playoffs, where the Capital season is
2: over. After a win in game one, the Capitals are going to fall four straight and bow out in five as the puck carried in right side and in toward Rask with three seconds left in two. The Boston Bruins are moving on, and the Washington Capitals are going home. The final score in game five, Boston three, And Washington won. There will be a handshake line here at Capital One Arena tonight, and it is not the one the Capitals were hoping they'd have.
1: John Walton, the call on the Capitals radio network. 3-1 the final. Bruins beat the Caps. As you heard John say, they win their first-round series four games to one. Patrice Bergeron scored twice for Boston. Connor Sherry scored the lone goal for the Caps much more on this game and this series uh, later on in the show. In the NBA playoff, the Wizards and 76ers played game one of their best-of-seven first-round series in the city of brotherly love. Tobias
3: Harris back in. 33 in the game. Euro step. Left-hand left. Harris has got it all cooking here in this one. Timeout Washington. Tobias Harris showing the Euro step to the crowd. The fans in Philly love it. Sixers lead
1: by 11. The call on 97.5. the Fanatic, 125-118, the final. As the 76ers take game one in Philly, Tobias Harris, 37 points for the Sixers, a career-high 28 in the first half. Bradley Beal had 33 points and 10 rebounds for Washington. Game two, for whatever reason, is on Wednesday. In Major League Baseball, The Nats and Orioles wrapped up their three-game series in D.C. Baltimore was trying to avoid getting swept and jumped out to a 3-0 lead in the top of the first inning. And then the bottom half came around.
3: And here's Schwarber up there swinging. High fly ball, deep right center. See you later. And this game immediately is tied up. 3-2 to Avila. And he will go right field corner. It's another hit with a runner in scoring position. This offense, unreal right now. And the Nats are on top,
1: four to three. Bob Carpenter, the calls on Mid-Atlantic Sports Net. Nats turned a 3-0 deficit into a 4-3 lead. They win the game 6-5 to complete the three-game sweep. Alex Avila doubled twice for Washington. Trey Mancini had two hits and drove in two runs for the O's, who have lost six straight. Speaking of losing, the Pirates continued to get bombarded by the Braves. And
2: a swing and a high fly ball out to deep right field, and Riley has homered again. He goes the opposite way. He's homered in back-to-back at bats, and the Braves have hit 14 home runs in this series. They
1: lead 5-1. The call on the Pirates radio network, uh, Dansby Swanson added a two-run homer just for good measure as the Braves won 7-1 to take 3-4 in the series. The 15 dingers by Atlanta set a major league record for most homers by one team in a four-game series. Brian Reynolds, for whatever it's worth, had an RBI double for Pittsburgh and in local baseball in the Penmar League. The Cumberland Orioles opened the season with a doubleheader sweep of the new Oxford Twins in Middletown, Maryland. Uh, Orioles won the first game 8-1 to and then completed the sweep with a 12-2 uh, Mercy Rule win in the nightcap. So there you go. And that is your rock around the region brought to you by the Caparale Group. So lots to get to, lots to cover. Uh, first of all, I hope you had yourself a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed uh, whatever it was that you were doing. Uh, This long weekend coming up, right? Memorial Day uh, next Monday. So uh, a long weekend for uh, some, not all, but some. Which reminds me, programming note, uh, there will be no show next Monday because I will not be here. We here in the company have the option to work holidays, and I opt not to. (laughs) I am one of those people who... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not I. I, uh, I I cherish my time off. Let's put it that way. I value my time off. If it's a holiday, I'm taking it. Simple as that. It's nothing against this place, nothing against the job or anything like that. But a holidays a holiday, and I'm taking it off. I've never once, never once work a work a holiday. Never. Here, at least. I have at other jobs in the past, and it made me very unhappy. So, uh, mark it down next Monday, uh, no show. So, let's start this show with, uh, let's start with some hoops. And, uh, as I mentioned, the Wizards game one yesterday in Philly. Washington, of course, had to get through that play-in tournament. Had to play two games there. Sixers had a week off. I'm sure that had something to do with it, right? Wizards would have been in a little better spot had they beaten Boston in the first game of that play tournament, and they lost. So they had to play two games and then turn around a couple of days later and take on Philly yesterday. Philly sitting around, working, resting for a week. That helps. But still, the Wizards competitive yesterday. Very competitive. They actually led at the half by a point. Uh, 62 61. And they were only down five with, uh, what is it, about 45 seconds left? But then uh, Russell Westbrook put the kibosh in any kind of rally because he turned the ball over. He stepped out of bounds. But the Wizards, for being the eight seed, for being four games under 500, for having to play in that playing tournament, not bad yesterday. Again, very competitive. But ultimately, Uh, they couldn't do anything about the two-headed monster of Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. And when you think of the Sixers, or if you're not like a, uh, a diehard NBA person, and somebody says 76ers, you automatically think of Embiid and Ben Simmons, right? Those are the two names that immediately come to mind. If you didn't know Tobias Harris before yesterday's game, you definitely you definitely know him now. As I mentioned in the Rock Around the Region, career-high 28 points in the first half, 37 for the game, including a career-high 26 points in the paint. Embiid ended up with 30 points. First pair of 76ers to have at least 30 points each in the same playoff game since, get this, Charles Barkley and Hersey Hawkins did it way back in 1990. I was a year removed from high school last time the Sixers had two 30-plus scores in the same playoff game. Uh, Harris spoke with the uh, TNT crew uh, after the game yesterday.
4: You know, I wanted to set the tone early on. And just show what we're about all year so we know this playoff run is going to be as tough as they get and we just got to bring the energy and, and bring the fire each and every night
5: yeah tobias i thought your defensive effort particularly in the third quarter collectively as a group was sensational and uh, just talk about the challenge of going against this high-powered offense of the wizards
4: yeah you know a super dynamic backcourt with bradley bill and russell westbrook but uh, you know we wanted to limit them from from making shots we thought in the first half it was just too much blow-bys in the uh, in, in transition. We gave him too many easy baskets. So for us, it was about locking in defensive end in the second half, and we was able to do that. But we even know, even after this one, we got, we got to be better for game two.
2: Tobias, Doc Rivers telling us that he had several excellent chats with you during uh, training camp, and you've kind of changed your thinking about the way you've played, and obviously it has
5: paid off in a big way.
4: Yeah, you know, he... Uh, he tells me all the time, shoot it, drive it, or pass it, and do it as quick as that. So you know that's one thing I take from him. Just tells me to make quick decisions. That's the one thing he screams at me with every single game. And uh, <laughs> It has allowed me to, you know, make the game easier for myself. Don't gotta dance out there. Just make the right plays
1: and make winning plays all night. That's right. All you young players out there, listen to that. Shoot it, drive it, pass it. Quick, quick, quick. You try to tell our players all the time that, right? Tell them we want want .5 guys. I learned that from the great Joe Wooten himself. .5. I want a player who can make a decision in .5 seconds. And if you think that's not possible, you're wrong, because it is. That is kind of seeing the game, seeing things unfold before it even happens, as being one step ahead in the game. Quick decisions. You either shoot it, you put it on the floor, or you pass it. You don't catch it and hold and hold, and hold, and hold, and hold. And give the defense a chance to reset. Give your man a chance to recover. Quick decisions. Shoot it, drive it, pass it. Young players, take a note, mark it down. .5. You want to be an effective basketball player? You want to be productive? Be a .5 player. .5 seconds, make a choice. Anyway, back to the game. You don't want to... It's impossible. You can't really pin a game like this on one player. But I'll try anyway. Washington simply needed more from Westbrook yesterday. And they didn't get it. Only had 16 points. Five rebounds, 14 assists. Not an awful game. Okay? But from what he produced in the regular season, all the triple doubles. don't only have five boards. Only have 16 points. They need more from him. Now that's only one game. He could bounce back in game two and have a monster game. And they're gonna need it. they are going to need all hands on deck to beat the 76ers or at least win a couple games in the series. They cannot have one of their two big guns have a game like that yesterday. Bradley Bill did he Bill did what Bill does 33 points, just above his season average. All right, he put in 33. If Westbrook, you know, comes through with his season averages, it's a whole different ballgame. But I'm not going to kill him for it. It's just one game. It happens. But if the Wizards want a chance to win one, maybe two, he's got to be better than that. He has to. Now, as with most games we talk about, the two stats that I always look at first, when you look at the team numbers, that's what did a team do from the three-point line and what did they do from the free-throw line. Those are, those are automatically the first, and that in turnovers. Although turnovers were kind of even in this game. From the three-point line, Philly made just 10 of 32. That's only 31.3%. But they still wound up making two more threes in Washington. The Wizards were 8 of 20. So even though the Sixers were dismal from beyond the arc, they still made two more than the Wiz. There was also a pretty big disparity in free throws. Washington only had 15 attempts. to Phillies, 33. That's more than double. Wizards, they shot well from the line, just not many attempts. They were 12 of 15. Sixers were 23 of 33. So, if you look at the three-point line and the free-throw line, that's a six-point swing from three and an 11-point difference from the foul line. You do the math, that's 17 points total, and there's your ballgame. After the ball game, Sixers head coach Doc Rivers. Yeah, they do a lot of switching.
2: Uh, we knew that. Um, our guys did a great job of finding – Uh, where that switch was at and and took advantage of it. Tobias was huge. You know, it's funny, just playoff games in general, but you you make all these plans, you have a week of planning uh, what your rotations and everything is going to be, and then a guy gets in foul trouble, and everything goes out of the window. And so then you have to coach on the fly, and I thought our guys overall reacted to it very well.
1: Another note for young players out there, find the switch, find the mismatch. This This is a teaching kind of a show today. To talk about being a .5 player. You got teams that play man-to-man. You got teams that switch a lot. A lot of times when you switch, you end up with a small and a big. Take advantage of it. Find it and take advantage of it. Anyway, game two of this series uh, will be Wednesday for reasons that I'm not particularly sure of. I have no idea why there's a three-day gap between games one and two. When there is zero travel involved. Doesn't make any sense to me. And quite frankly, it's stupid. I can't think of a good reason why these two teams shouldn't be playing again tomorrow. Play Sunday, you take Monday to rest, and you play Tuesday. It's not like that to worry about the Flyers playing anytime soon. Right? Unless they have some concert scheduled. Why there's three days off, I I honestly, I don't know. Why these teams are forced to sit around for two days. Now, it'll help the Wizards. They'll take the extra day's rest. They'll take the extra day of preparation for sure. Because as I said earlier, they had to play in the playing tournament. The Sixers had a week off. Rest becomes a factor when you hit the playoffs. Rest becomes a factor when you hit the grind. So sure, Washington will take an extra day off, but I don't I don't understand why. Whenever the game is played, Westbrook has to show up and do better than he did yesterday. Other games yesterday, the Knicks, in front of a huge crowd at MSG, uh, lost. <laughs> it was a great game. Trey Young hits a bucket with .9 seconds left to give Atlanta the victory over the Knicks in game one of that series. I would tell you to score, but if somebody is blocked, oh, there it is. Okay, 107-105. You love it when websites have a million ads on the page and the ads block out the actual information that you're looking for. It's good times. But Young hits the bucket. He has 32 for the game, 10 assists. And the Hawks take game one, the 4-5 series in the East, 107 105. Out West, kind of a shocker. Actually, there was kind of a shocker and a big-time shocker. If you look at what Vegas told us before the series started, the Lakers, as a seven seed, were favorites to beat the Suns, the six, or the two seed. But the Suns won yesterday. The Suns beat LeBron and AD and the rest of the Lakers 99-90. So the Suns are up in that series, one game to none. And the big shocker, the Grizz, the Grizzlies, break up Memphis. They knock off the one seed, Utah, 112-109. So the Grizz, a 1-0 lead in that series. Something that not a lot of people expected. Again, it's only one game. Does anybody think that Memphis is going to win that series? Doubtful. But still... It's a little bit of a shock when that happens. I heard, where was it? Ah, uh, boy. The, the Jazz. Oh, I saw something about them being a one seed where they had lost to an eight-seed, like one of only two or three teams ever. I gotta look it up. I'll find it during the break. It's not exactly something that you want on your resume. Let's put it that way. I'll look it up during the break. Speaking of which, let's do that right now. Go to break. We got news and weather coming up. I'll try to find this stat about the Jazz and being a one seed. If I can't, then I'll just pretend like I never even mentioned it and move on. (laughs) Speaking of moving on, the Bruins are moving on in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which means the Capitals, again, are home after the first round. We'll talk about that next. Stick around, WCMD. WCMD.
0: Is the morning rush.
1: Did I hear that right during the news break? That uh Hogan they're giving away chances to win money if you get vaccinated. Did I hear that right? <laughs> uh you see more and more of that, right? All these governors coming out and saying, didn't they uh didn't Greenbrier or Jim didn't he offer like a hundred dollar savings bond in West Virginia? If you got vaccinated, and now they're, you can win cash prizes. It's like a, it's like a gun bash, but with vaccinations. Come on, get a shot. Got a chance to win some money. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Got to throw incentives at people to get vaccinated. How's this for an incentive? Not dying. I think that's a pretty good one. That's why I got mine. You didn't have to pay me to get my shots. I just don't feel like getting sick and dying. So I got them. It. It's the same thing with wearing masks, right? When this whole thing started, either you were going to wear one or you weren't. That was The line was drawn pretty clear, right? The, the, the line was drawn early on that. Either you're going to wear one or you weren't. Vaccines are going to be the same way. Either you're going to get one or you're not. Maybe a couple people, maybe a few would be swayed by an incentive, like a chance to win money. Or a savings bond. Or a free hot dog. I don't know. What was the one uh someone was giving away free French fries or something like that, right? Get <laughs> I think it was New York. Get vaccinated and get a free fries. <laughs> i serious. Look, I said it before. If you don't want to get vaccinated, then that's that's your life. Do what you gotta do. I right? had a discussion over the weekend with somebody who who hasn't gotten a shot yet. Didn't rule out. Didn't rule out. You know, getting it in the future, just not in a hurry to get it now. And look, I I respect that. If you don't want to, all right. But the whole thing about basically bribing people to get them, I I, mean, I'm just, you lose me there. That's where you lose me. Either you're going to get it or you're not. I'll tell you something else I've noticed. Back when the pandemic started, right? We weren't exactly quite sure what was going on. We weren't exactly quite sure who it affected, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And, 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 all of a sudden the the ball got rolling on wearing the masks, right? And it was really awkward at first because not everybody was wearing them, you know, at the at the point when the pandemic first started, more people weren't wearing them than than were. And so I think myself along with a lot of other people felt awkward when first putting on a mask to go in somewhere right you just felt kind of weird you felt like people were looking at you cuz not everybody was doing it it was just it was just a until you until you got used to it right now i find the the same thing happening but in the other direction because now i'm i'm vaccinated if i see a sign that says i don't have to wear a mask i'm not going to wear one but now i feel this i feel the same way not wearing one as I did when I first put one on. Does that make sense? Now we I've become so used to wearing a mask that it just feels weird not wearing one into a store or wherever. And, and, and now I feel like people are looking at me weird because of that. It's the same thing. Same feeling, but in the opposite direction. I can't be alone on that one, I can tell you that. It's just, it's funny how we become accustomed to things, right? It's funny how after uh, a certain period of time, you just you just get used to something. I will say this, though. Saturday, was it Saturday? It was Saturday. I went to uh, a high school graduation. I went out to eat afterwards. And then I went to a graduation party that evening. I don't think I saw a single mask on the entire day. Not that there wasn't. I didn't see one. I did not see one the entire day Saturday. And I, for one, uh, very happy about that. Anyway, uh, let's get back to uh, some sports. And it's
3: rimmed over to the near side as Carlson touches. Game over. Series over. The Boston Bruins, after dropping game one against the Washington Capitals, run the table. The Bruins are on to the second round of the playoffs. As they down the Capitals here in game five, 3 1, and win the series four games to one.
1: That is the way the end of game five sounded on uh, 98.5, the sports hub in Boston. Bruins beat the Caps three to one. They win the series four games to one. Uh, Caps won the first game of the series and then lost the next four. First time they've done that since 1991 and when you consider the first three games of the series went to overtime and, and game three actually went to double ot series a lot closer than the final game tally indicates right a shot here a shot there a goal you know the, the series could have been swung the other direction if because caps won the first game in OT then the Bruins won the next two games in oT Right, Caps, obviously, if they win one of those you know, games, two or three, and over time it's a whole different series. But this is not the way it worked out. But still, no matter how you slice it, it's another first-round flame-out for Washington. Since winning the Stanley Cup in the 2017-18 season, the Caps have not made it out of the first round. That's three straight first-round exits since hoisting the cup after the 2017-2018 season. And I feel like this is a perfect time to remind everyone that the Caps and owner Ted Leonsis let head coach Barry Trotz walk after the cup-winning season. The first cup-winning season in the history of the franchise. And they let him walk. And guess what? They haven't won a playoff series since then. It's the curse of the Trots. Now, of course, it goes much deeper than that. Yesterday's loss put the lid on yet another disappointing season in the Alex Ovechkin era. His name has to come up every time you talk about the Capitals' failures. He's a face of the franchise. He's been that way since 2005. He's the captain. Much like a quarterback in football, he's going to take the heat when the team doesn't do well. And for the majority of his career, the Caps haven't done well in the playoffs. Consider this. Washington has been in the playoffs 13 times in the Ovechkin era. And they've only won 10 series. Four of those series wins came in that one season when they won the Cup. If you take away the Cup-winning year, the Capitals in the Ovechkin era have won six first-round series and zero second-round series. Think about that. Only once in Ovechkin's 16-year career how the Capitals won a second-round playoff series. And that was the cup-winning year. That's it. That's pathetic. That is pathetic. And since people love to compare Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby for reasons that I'm still not quite sure of, because there is no comparison. The Penguins have made the playoffs 13 times in the Crosby era, just like the Caps have made it 13 times in the Ovechkin era. The Penns have won 20 playoff series during that span. That's double Ovechkin in the caps. And of course, the ultimate uh, tally, Sid has three Stanley Cups, Ovechkin has one. And it's not like Ovechkin hasn't had solid teams around him. How many times have they won the president's trophy? How many times did they finish first in the division? How many times did he finish first in the entire league in points? Only to flame out in the first round. Now, a lot of the reason is because they couldn't get past Crosby and the Penguins. Now, one of the biggest knocks on Ovechkin has been, even though he wears the C, he's the captain, is that he's not the greatest leader in the world. And I think we saw a glimpse of that when he went off on his own he went off on his own goaltender. At the end of that double-time loss, remember Sam Sonoff made a mistake behind his own net, and Ovechkin just yelling and screaming at him at a moment where somebody doesn't need to be yelled and screamed at. He hasn't been a great leader. Now, there's no doubt he's one of the greatest goal scorers we've ever seen. No doubt. I even heard one of the guys on TV say he's the greatest goal scorer we've ever seen, even better than Gretzky, which I disagree with 100%. But he's definitely top three. Ovechkin is undoubtedly one of the greatest goal scorers we've ever seen, natural goal scorers. Problem is, the rest of his game, eh. Eh. I mean, early in his career, he'd fly around, he'd throw his body around, body checks, hard hits, stuff like that. Not a great assist guy. Not a particularly great leader. I understand that it's a team sport, it's more than one guy, but whenever you have as many playoff failures as the Capitals have had, you've got to point to one person. And it's him. It's eight, number eight. He is the face of the franchise. And he has not delivered the way he should have. Now, I saw somebody on Twitter call him a one-trick pony. I wouldn't go that far, but it's not quite far from the truth. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker for Alex Ovechkin. Uh, Because of the loss yesterday... And the season is over. Uh, his 13 year one hundred and twenty-four million dollar contract has expired. He will be a free agent at the end of this season. Will he go anywhere? I doubt it. I doubt he leaves Washington. I I, I have a feeling he will remain a capital for the rest of his career, forever long that is. But you never know. Rumors are gonna swirl. You're gonna see names thrown around. I already saw Barry Trotz up with the Islanders. Trotz and Ovechkin had a good relationship when Trotz was with the Capitals. Would it take much for Trotz to make a phone call and say, hey, come on up north. Come play for me and the Islanders. Let's win a cup in New York. Let's 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 repeat what we did in Washington, but up in New York. Just throwing it out there. Do I see it happening? No. I, I think he'll end his career as a Capitol. But the biggest knock on him, which is a knock on a lot of players who don't win the big... Look, he's won a cup. He's won a cup. You can't take that away from him. You can't. He's won at least one championship, unlike a guy like, say, Dan Marino. I know different sport, but, you know, same point. He's won one, which is more than some NHL greats have won. But you look at his talent, the teams have been around him Boy, he's got to win another one. Or we'll look at his look back at his career and say, wow, what a waste of talent that was. All right, one more break. Back up to wrap up our number one. Stick around, WCMD.
0: This is the morning rush.
1: Capitals eliminated yesterday. Third straight year. Failing to get out of the first round. Bruins move on. And they await the winner of the Penguins-Islanders series, Game 5 of that series tonight in the Berg. A, as we love to say, a pivotal Game 5. As the uh, series is tied up at two games apiece. And I've already seen questions about uh, head coach Mike Sullivan for uh, the Penguins. If, If they don't get out of this series, is his job in jeopardy? because they haven't exactly had the best results here recently. We talked about the Caps, three you know three straight first-round playoff exits. The Penguins, if they lose this series, uh, for them as well, will be three straight first-round playoff exits. So could the seat be getting a little bit hot for Mike Sullivan? Maybe. Back to the Caps, we mentioned Ovechkin. He's going to be a free agent. Team can't sign him until I think it's July 28th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, free agency starts on July 28th. Actually, no, I take it back. I'm sorry. Wrong information. They can sign him either before or after the free agency start date. But the longer it goes, the longer, if you're a Capitals fan, you have to worry. Again, I don't think he's going anywhere. But stranger things have happened. If you're the Capitals now, what do you do? Do you try to still center your team around an aging? I mean, Ovechkin has some years left, don't get me wrong, but he's past his prime. It's not the player that he used to be. Maybe as the years go on, he will be a one-trick pony who just set up in the right circle and just shoot one-timers. He's not the player he used to be. Then again, nobody is when you've been around for 16 seasons. But what do you do? Kuznetsov is probably gone. He's probably done. There's going to be a lot of changes in Washington. It won't be the head coach. La will not be bounced after one year. Now, if they get off to a shaky start next year, you never know. Because any NHL teams go through coaches like I go through uh, peanut butter brownies. Let's put it that way. But the Capitals have got to be tired. And again, I can go back and point to one thing in particular. The Capitals not making a priority to re-sign Barry Trotz after they won the cup. Letting Barry Trotz walk is one of the worst things I've ever seen from a professional sports franchise ever. Ever. You had a head coach who led you to your very first championship in franchise history and you let him walk and sign with somebody else. And it is no coincidence they haven't won a playoff series since. Several changes are coming for the Capitals for next year because what's been going on cannot continue. Do they tweak it or do they rebuild it? And if you rebuild it, do you want to rebuild it around an aging superstar? Don't know. Do you let him walk? Do you If you let Barry Trotz walk, do you dare let Ovechkin walk? And you take that money that you would have spent on him and bring other guys in. Seriously. I mean, it's it's worth considering. Because ultimately, the team has to come first. Ultimately, the team goals have to come first. And the team goal is always to win a championship, no matter what sport it is. That's the team goal. Ovechkin's been around for 16 seasons. They've reached that goal once. That's not enough. Not for the superstar that he is and not for the teams that they've had. Do you dump a bunch of money into an aging superstar which may hurt your ability to build a team around him? Now they're in that spot. Look, they may come out tomorrow and and say, hey, we signed him. He's coming back. I'm telling you what. The longer it goes, if they don't sign him before that July 28th free agency start date, then if you're a Caps fan, you got to start worrying. Because then teams teams are going to go after him. <laughs> Every team will line up to take him, even though he's getting older. He, he can still score goals. He can still put it in the net. We'll see. Big game tonight. Again, Pens, Isles, game five. Pens, now it's a three-game, you no, know, it's a best of three series because they looked awful uh in their game Saturday. They looked awful. They lost the game four to one. They were, weren't very competitive. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see if they can turn around back in Pittsburgh. They still have home ice advantage. They have two to the next three in Pittsburgh. But what you do not want to do, and this is stating the obvious, is lose tonight, then have to go to Long Island and win to keep your season alive. That's why this game is so That's why game fives are always so huge. You do not want to have, especially in the penguin situation. If it's the other way around, the Islanders, even if they lose tonight, they could take a little bit of comfort knowing that they can go back to their home, you know, their barn on the island and tie the series back up. Penguins, they lose tonight. Could be trouble. Could be trouble. It should be a good one. All right, hour number one in the books. Hour number two around the corner doing push ups, getting pumped. When we come back, we'll rock around the region. We'll talk about my main man, Phil Mickelson, doing one for the old guys and the Pirates' abysmal series against the Braves. That's all coming up next hour. Stick around, WCMD.
0: This is the Morning Rush.
1: Rush line is open. 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. on 301-759-2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show, every day. Minus the commercials. So if you missed anything, you can go back and check it out. For instance, if you missed the first hour. You missed us uh, breaking down the Wizards loss in game one yesterday to the Sixers. You missed us talking about I don't know why I say us. I'm the only one here. Uh, You missed me talking about the Capitals. Another first round flame out in the playoffs. Alex Ovechkin is now a free agent. What happens to him? And of course the Penguins and Islanders a pivotal game five tonight. That series tied 2-2. So if you missed any of it go back and listen to it uh, on our podcast page on the free Podbean app. Speaking of the Caps and the Wizards and everything else that happened yesterday. Let's rock around the region.
0: I want to rock right now.
1: And we will start with the Stanley Cup playoffs. The capital season is over.
2: The Bruins ahead quickly with Posternock. He's got Marshawn with him, two on three, trying to cut through. The Capitals, a great job of getting back. Now they turn it over and they score. Patrice Bergeron on a turnover in the left circle unassisted goal for Bergeron and that
5: is a big dagger. Sure is the Cats were playing the right pace they were doing the right things and they come back and that's what this line does I mean the, the top line they turn it over in the middle of the ice Bergeron gets it goes top shelf glove side on Samsonov and just like that
1: The air goes right out of the building. Now the Capitals have a ton of work to do now. At 7.35, they need two goals. And they did not get them. John Walton and Ken Saber in the call on the Capitals Radio Network. 3-1 the final. Bruins beat the Caps to win their first-round series, four games to one. Patrice Bergeron scored twice for Boston. Connor Sherry scored the lone goal for the Caps, who have now lost in the first round three straight years. In the NBA playoffs, the Wizards and 76ers played game one of their best-of-seven first-round series in Philly.
3: Tobias Harris back in, 33 in the game. Euro step, left-hand left. Harris has got it all cooking here in this one. Timeout, Washington. Tobias Harris showing the Euro step to the crowd. The fans in Philly love it. Sixers lead by 11.
1: The call on 97-5, the Fanatic, 125 118 in the final, 76ers take game one in the city of brotherly love. Tobias Harris, 37 points for the Sixers, a career-high 28 points in the first half, also a career-high 26 points in the paint. Um, Bradley Beal had 33 points and 10 boards for Washington. Game two, for whatever reason, is on Wednesday and not tomorrow. In Major League Baseball, the Nats and Orioles. Wrapped up their three-game series in D.C., Baltimore was trying to avoid getting swept, and they jumped out to a 3-0 lead in the top of the first inning. Problem is, uh, they had to play the bomb in the first.
3: And here's Schwarber up there swinging. High fly ball, deep right center. See you later. And this game immediately is tied up. 3-2 to Avila. And he will go right field corner. It's another hit with a runner in scoring position. This offense, unreal right now. And the Nats are on top, 4-3. to three.
1: The call's right there. Bob Carpenter on Mid-Atlantic Sports Net. The Nationals turn the 3-0 deficit to a 4-3 lead. And they go on to win the game 6-5 and complete the three-game sweep. Alex Avila doubled twice for Washington. Trey Mancini had two hits and drove in two runs for the O's, who have now lost six straight. Uh, Speaking of losing, the Pirates continued to get bombarded by the Braves.
2: And a swing and a high fly ball out to deep right field, and Riley has homered again. He goes the opposite way. He's homered in back-to-back at bats, and the Braves have hit 14 home runs in this series. They
1: lead 5-1. The call on the Pirates radio network. Dansby Swanson added a two-run homer just for good measure, I suppose, as the Braves won 7-1 to to take 3 of 4 in the series. The 15 dingers by Atlanta set a major league record for most homers by one team in a four-game series. Uh, Brian Reynolds had an RBI double for Pittsburgh and in uh, some local baseball in the Penmar League. The Cumberland Orioles opened the season with a, a doubleheader sweep of the New Oxford Twins in Middletown, Maryland. Orioles won the first game eight to one, and then completed the sweep with a 12-2 mercy rule win in the nightcap. And that is your rock around the region, uh, brought to you by the Caparale Group. So uh, those Pirates, wow! I mean, what can you say about that series? They won the first game of this series, six to four. All right. Then they proceeded to lose the next three games of the series by a combined score of 33 to three. Wait, what did you say? 33 to three. I I don't even know how that's possible. They lost the last three games of that series. By an average score of eleven to one. Now, obviously it helped to win on Saturday, uh twenty to one. Was it twenty to one? Was that Saturday or Friday? Which game was that? I remember watching some of it and laughing hysterically because that's all you could really do. I can't remember now what day that was. It doesn't matter. When you lose twenty to one, what day does the day really matter? And as you heard me say there, the Braves hit, (laughs) this is amazing, they hit 15 home runs in that four-game series. The Pirates, as a team, has 30 for the entire year. In 46 games, the Pirates have 30 home runs. The Braves hit 15 in a four-game series against them. Austin Riley... Hit two home runs yesterday for Atlanta. He hit five in the four-game series. All right. The Pirates don't have anybody with more than four the entire year. Wrap, wrap your mind around that for a second. Austin Riley hit more home runs in a four-game series against the Pirates than any Pirate has hit the entire season. It was really one of the more embarrassing series I've ever seen from a Pirates team. And that's saying much because I've seen a lot of crappy baseball from the Pirates in my lifetime. To win that first game of the series, six to four, and then get outscored 33 to three. I'm trying, and the, and the twenty to one game was so laughable. Poor Wilmer Defoe. That was Friday's, by the way. That game was Friday. So the Pirates, the Pirates, won the first game of the series six four. Then they followed that up with a twenty to one loss. They lost twenty to one, six to one, and seven to one. And I can't remember. I think it was twelve. Was it twelve nothing? It was twelve nothing. When manager Derek Shelton decided to put poor Wilmer Defoe. On the mound, right? The utility player, the infielder, former national. So here's a case where a team wanting to save some arms in the bullpen, which we've been talking about recently with the whole Tony LaRusa situation, and they just lit him up. They lit him up. Poor Wilmer gave up eight runs. Eight runs. That's the most runs. I think I saw this correctly. The most runs by a position player ever given up, like since nineteen whatever. The nineteen aughts. His ERA for whatever it's worth is now a robust seventy-two. But the Braves hit seven home runs in that game alone. In that twenty, it was laughable. I sat there with Little C and we're watching the game, and it was you couldn't turn it off. It was. <laughs> It was so terrible, but it was funny. I don't get it, man. I mean, bad bad is one thing. And it's not like the Braves were coming in on some, you know, some tear. It's not like the Braves are rolling in. They had lost four of their last five before the Pirates series. I'm sorry, three of the three of four. Three of four, excuse me. That fourth loss was to the Pirates in the first game of the series. But they weren't setting the world on fire. But then they played the Pirates, and all of a sudden, it's it's home run derby. Quite literally, home run derby. And I guess help was on the way for the Pirates. I keep Brian Hayes. He's back playing the triple A. He had a home run yesterday. I think he's hit two now since he uh, began his rehab. Chad Cool is rehabbing any So I guess the Pirates are getting some help coming, but it's not going to be enough. These are the Pirates that we expected. Maybe not this bad. Maybe not getting outscored 33-3 bad. But this is the team that we expected. Much like the Orioles, they got off to a pretty decent start. Now they've lost six in a row. They get swept by the Nationals. Matt Harvey, he started a season three and one. He's now lost four straight decisions. He's three and five. You know the the Orioles give him a three nothing lead in the top of the first yesterday, and he gives it right back, and then some. It went from three nothing to four three after one inning. This is the time, and, and it's only what is this May twenty fourth. This is the time <laughs> when you just have fans start checking out, right? This, this is what's hard about baseball because the baseball season is so long. And we talk about the imbalance in baseball with, it, with no salary cap and all the big money spenders and all the small markets and how the small market teams are just trying to, you know, stay above water. But here we sit at May 24th, and you know the Orioles season is over. The Pirates season is over. It's done. They got no chance. They got none. They got none. The only reason to tune in and watch or listen is to see how the young players do. To see how the young players who are supposed to be part of these rebuilds, to see how they do. So maybe you can see uh, the the pieces in place for the future. But we're sitting here May 24th, and it's over. Baltimore is 11 games back of Boston. They're not making that up. The Pirates, believe it or not, are only eight back of the Cardinals. The Pirates now have, and I understand when you get beat 20 to 1, it could definitely skew the numbers a bit. The Pirates now have the worst run differential in all of baseball. Their run differential is minus 78. seventy-eight. <laughs> They've been outscored by 78 runs this year. And again... When you lose by 19 in one game, that's going to happen. The Tigers at one point had the worst run differential, but now they're only minus 58. They're the uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh the Angels, no, wait a minute. My eyes are so bad. It looks like a it looked like a 60 to 50. See, so yeah, the Tigers have the second worst run differential in Major League Baseball at 58. The Pirates are 20 runs worse. They've lost 3 in a row, they're 3 and 7 in their last 10 and they're done. They're 18 and 28. You look at a team like Arizona, they're 12 and a half back in that stacked NL West, they're done. We're not even 2 months through the season and there are so many teams that are already just finished. But that's Major League Baseball. Right? Incredibly, incredibly the Nationals Thanks to that sweep of the Orioles. They're 20-23, and 23, but they're still only two and a half games out of first place. Because the NL East, which again, I, which I thought was going to be the best uh, division in baseball, is, is just not very good. There is only one team in the NL East with a winning record. Can you believe that? Here, I thought this division was going to be lights out good. Was going to be the... Maybe along with the NL West, the most competitive division, and they have one team. The Mets are twenty-one and nineteen. Everybody else under five hundred. The Phils and Braves are now are they're twenty-three and twenty-four. The Marlins twenty-two and twenty-four. And then you have the Nationals three games under. So you have two and a half games separating the top team in the NL East and the bottom team because that division just stinks. I, I never, for one, I never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. So there you go. Anybody, does anybody play tonight? I gotta look it up here real quick. Where's the schedule at? The Pirates are off. I know that for a fact. Orioles, they start a, a series at Minnesota. Good news is, uh, if the Orioles are on the road, they can't lose another game at home. <laughs> Uh, looks like the Nationals and Pirates are both off. Uh, Pirates start a series tomorrow night at home against the Cubs and the Washington, uh, the Washingtons. Yeah, the Washingtons. You know that team? The Washingtons. It's like the football team, right? The Nationals open a series tomorrow night at home against the Reds. So there you go. Which means there's, oh, there's nothing. That's right. But the Capitals now finished. No more Capitals games on this station until next season, until October. So it's all Nationals now. And Nats are off tonight, so there's no Nationals, but there's no live live sports on the station this evening. Just ESPN programming, so there you go. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know how absolutely awful the Pirates were in this series. And uh, look, it helps that Atlanta plays in – what do they call it now? What's 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 it, what are the Braves uh I always want to call it uh is it true it's truest park, whatever that is. Which is a very hitter-friendly park. And I saw this, uh the Braves have hit almost what is it, 68% of their home runs at home. The Braves lead all the baseball in home runs, by the way. They've hit 78 home runs. They've hit 53 of those 78 at home. It's a launching pad, much like where the Reds play. Uh, again, I want, I want to call it Riverfront. What is it, a great American ballpark? You know, and the new Yankees, they're, they're band boxes. They're so small. They're launching pads. And again, the Braves, 68% of their homers have been at home. All right, let's go to a break. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about Phil Mickelson and uh, him winning one for us old guys. Carrying the torch for us 50-plus uh, fellas. Doing something that not a whole lot of people thought he could do. That's win another major. That's coming up after news and weather. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230,
0: WCMD. This is the Morning Rush.
5: Mickelson from 16 feet. This ball going to work just a little bit from
3: left to right as that works down the slope. Left to right, up to the cup, and that stops six inches away, but Phil Mickelson's going to tap in for a par. He is going to shoot a 1 over 73 in the final round, but Phil Nicholson creates and sets professional golf history the oldest to win a major championship. Phil Mickelson embraces his brother Tim. Phil Mickelson is the champion of the 103rd PGH championship. What about it was today?
1: And that's the way it sounded on Sirius XM yesterday. As the morning rush rolls on on this Monday morning, Tony C in the big chair, Phil Mickelson. Phil! Winning one for us old fellas. At the age of 50, man is the same age as me. Obviously accomplishing much more. The oldest winner in the 161 years of major championship golf. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody thought it would happen. Like who, seriously, who? Going into this weekend's PGA, who thought that Phil Mickelson? You know, we talked about it as we previewed it on uh Thursday morning, right? Rory McIlroy was a favorite. Bryson DeChambeau, Speith, all the usual. Mickelson comes out of nowhere. To win the PGA Championship. One over 73 yesterday, he wins by two shots over Brooks Kepka and Louis Oofshaven. I think it's is it Julius Julius Boros. Held the record for 53 years as golf's oldest major champion. He was 48 when he won the 1968 PGA Championship in San Antonio. Mickelson breaks the record by two years. He is the 10th player ever to win majors in three different decades. He also became the first player in PGA Tour history to win tournaments 30 years apart. The first of his 45 titles was in 1991 when he was still a junior at Arizona State. Mickelson brings home the trophy at 50. To break it down last night, Scott Van Pelt and Andy North. He's the 14th
6: ever to win six majors, and that gap between winning this major is 16 years. That's the longest at any single major all time. And we'll get to the big picture of legacy later. But I want to do what Phil did. I want to stay stay present yeah. Yeah. in this moment about this week and what he did to beat the best in the world at this age. What what stands out, Andy? I think the biggest thing Scott is first of all he he hit the ball exceptionally well. As you mentioned earlier, he, he was the best of anybody playing into the wind. That takes good quality golf shots. That takes control of your golf ball. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. He stayed in the present. I thought he really was as calm on the golf course as maybe I've ever seen him. Um, he's got confidence in what he's doing, but I think the biggest thing, he's worked his tail off. He's he's body is in better position, he's stronger, he's done all the things you have to do to continue your career at a point in time when most guys quit working very hard. And I think that's the most interesting point. It's hard. You talk about staying hungry. Well, it's hard to stay hungry when you've been well-fed, as long as Phil Mickelson's been out here eating on tour. So it's unusual. Winning at 50, never done before. But to stay as hungry and as driven and as focused on the prize, I don't know that anyone's done it quite like this at this age. Can you think of anyone? No, I mean, there's some guys that have had good success, Nicholas and Watson, as they got older. But they didn't have to put in this kind of work, as Phil has, to get where he is. I mean, the fact is, his body's probably as good as it's maybe ever been. Oh, it's a whole lot better, don't you think? I mean, look, he made fun of himself. Like tweeting out pictures from the U.S. Open when he was a little squishier. Now here he is at 50, and he's jacked, and he's hitting 366-yard drives, hitting bombs, as Phil said a few years ago.
1: Mickelson does look great, by the way. You look at the picture of him yesterday and throughout the tournament this weekend. For being 50, looks fantastic. I look at myself at 50, and I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing? I'm like two of Mickelson's. I look like I ate Phil Mickelson. And he's out there just hitting bombs, winning majors at 50. Inspiration for us old fellas, no doubt. So he finishes the PGA at a 6-under, 282. Again, 16 years from his last PGA major. It's a long time. Can you imagine that? And I told you about the favorites going in. Rory McIlroy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mickelson entered the tournament at 200-1 to, to win the PGA Championship. Longest odds to win a major since Louis Oosthuizen at the Open Championship 11 years ago in 2010. After his victory, Phil sat down with ESPN's Gene Wojciechowski, and Gene asked him straight up, would you have taken those odds? Now be honest with me. At the beginning of this week, Would
5: you have put a significant bet down on Phil Mickelson to win this PGA Championship at 200 to one odds?
7: I mean, you probably should ask somebody else that I'm not really a gambling man, Gene. Uh, (laughs) I think that I felt a couple of months ago, like even going into the masters, that um, I was starting to play some really good golf at at the high level again, but I I didn't quite um, have the ability yet to focus intently for 72 holes, and it's what I've been really working on. And, and um, it's possible, Gene, that this is the last term I ever win. It's, it's possible. It's also possible that I had a, a bit of a breakthrough in some of the things that I'm working on on, on being able to stay uh, more focused and more present might send me on uh, a little run for a couple of years. I, I don't know. But either way, I'm going to cherish this week and this moment. Did you ever think you'd win another major? So I believed it. That's why I kept working harder. I I didn't understand why I couldn't. Uh, I'm physically executing and playing as well as I ever have, but I'm not mentally uh, as focused, and I just didn't understand why I couldn't do that. And yet, because my results haven't been that great, I certainly had doubts.
5: Three Masters, an Open Championship, and now two PGA Championships. When you put your head on the pillow tonight, what are you always gonna remember about this day?
7: The biggest thing that I'm gonna take away is that there's no reason why at an older age you cannot be at your best. It just takes a little more work. And I believed it for a long time and I I wasn't getting the results, but I believed it and I had people believe in me and um, it just takes a little more work.
5: We've seen Tom Brady reach out to you. I was curious, anybody of note that you'd like to thank for reaching
7: back out to you today? So I'm very inspired by Tom Brady. He is—he's um, actually a big motivation because of how hard he works to be the best and to elongate his career. Uh, we have some unfinished business. He and I—I I, I want to get—I want to partner with him again in a match and and, um, and win because uh, we didn't—we didn't win last time. We lost on the last hole. I, I, I want to do another match with him because spending time with him. It's inspiring, but it's also, um, I learn a lot.
5: You're 50 years old. You turn 51 next month. Does that want to make a trophy count as an early birthday present?
7: <laughs> I, I'm going to cherish this, uh, this tournament as though it's my last, because it very well may be, but hopefully not. I love what he said there. I love what he said in the middle there.
1: Somebody should put it on a T-shirt and sell it. Like, there's no reason at an older age you can't be your very best. It just takes a little more work. I love that, especially for a guy who's fitting, like Phil. There's no reason. Somebody should sell that, market that, trademark it for the older folk. Oh, There's no reason why you can't be your very best at any age, really. You don't have to be old, but I'm just saying. One of the really cool things about yesterday was seeing, and I know this still makes some people cringe, but seeing the number of people surrounding 18 when Mil- when Phil put it home. It was by far the largest crowd at a PGA event since the pandemic. And the PGA of America said that it limited tickets to about 10,000. Although it looked like and it sounded like a heck of a lot more than that, it was a tremendous moment. Given kind of what we've all had to experience through, you know, the the, the viewpoint of sports, right? All the empty stadiums, all the empty arenas, uh, all all the the empty you know the golf events with with no fans, just quiet, silent, right like they were playing PGA events like it was just me and three of my friends playing at you know at Rocky Gap like there was no sound no noise nothing and to and to to see it and hear it for over a year and to see it back yesterday like that to, to hear the crowd to see the crowd it was just that, that was kind of like the, the icing on the cake, right? That was the cherry on top of the sundae. Now, can you imagine that moment with nobody there, right? It still would have been a great moment. It still would have been awesome. We still would have talked about it. You know, we still and wouldn't, wouldn't have changed anything. Phil still would have been the oldest winning major. Still would have been just an incredible story. Breaking the record, everything we've already talked about and already heard. It still would have been incredible. But can you imagine him doing that with nobody there? It would have taken something away from it, right? It would have taken away from the moment. But having all those people there, seeing the crowd, hearing the crowd, man, I just, oh, and that's that's what we've missed over the, the last year plus, right? Fans, regardless of the sport, add to the moment. They add to the atmosphere. They add to what is going on at that time in the ballpark, in the stadium, in the arena, whatever. You don't believe me. If you don't believe me, watch an NHL playoff game in the States compared to one up north because they still are not allowing fans to in the Canadian arenas. You can definitely tell the difference between like for instance, tonight's game, Penguins and Islanders. Watch that game. When the pen should have about 9,000, 10,000 people at PPG Paints Arena. And then watch one of the games between two of the Canadian teams and the manufactured noise. I think we I think we've kind of gotten used to the manufactured noise, right? It's just something that over time, kind of wearing a mask, we kind of got used to it. But boy, there's such a stark difference between having actual people there and the emotions of the game than just having just the pumped up, you know, the, the pumped in noise. Or even at a golf tournament where there's no noise at all. So it was very, very nice, very good to see and hear that back at a major sporting event like the PGA Championship, especially. You know, that was the backdrop of this historic thing that Mickelson pulled off. 50 years, almost 51, right? He's a month away from his 51st birthday, which gives guys like me hope. Not that I'm going to go out there and win a major championship because I stink at golf. But if Phil's out there at 50 winning majors, who knows? Maybe there's some hope for me. <laughs> And one final note, we mentioned that uh, Phil finished two shots ahead of uh, uh, Brooks Kepka and uh, Louis Utshaven. Uh, Kepka, he finished a plus three in the par fives. There's your tournament right there. If Kepka just shoots par on the par fives, he wins. And we're not talking about any of this historic Event historic victory by by Mickelson. All Kepka had to do was just play the par fives even up and he wins the tournament. But he was, he finished a plus three on the par fives, and there's your difference. Nothing against Brooks, but I'm happy the way that it ended up. I'm happy the way it went the way it did. Oh, I got my number wrong. I, uh, pardon me. Four over. That makes it worse. He was four over on the three par fives, four over, not three. That actually makes it work worse for Brooks. If he just <laughs> if he just plays those par fives even up, he wins the tournament. Anyway, congratulations, Phil Mickelson, carrying the torch, giving the old folk like me some hope. Just goes to show. How, how did he say it again? Even at an older age, you can still be your best. It just takes a little more hard, hard work. That does, I, love, I love that. I love that. Put it on a t-shirt. All right. Back to wrap things up. Stick around. WCMD.
0: This is the Morning Rush.
1: It's coming up next. Two hours of Tri-State today. Get you caught up on all the local, regional, and state happenings, along with uh, some very good – she, always, she has, always has really good guests, very good guests. So stick around for Amanda and Tri-State today after I'm done. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, let's check on the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about this guy?
2: Stanley will take the draw. He'll win it back out into the slot. The shot, they score!
3: Oh! What a return for Nikolai! The dashing Dean wins it in overtime tonight! And the Winnipeg Jets
2: take a stranglehold on this series and send Edmonton to the break tomorrow night! What a finish in downtown tonight, baby!
1: <laughs> I don't know who that guy is, but I love him. That was a call on 680. C.J.O.B. Nicholas Ehlers, a game winner in overtime, as Winnipeg, the Jets, they rally. They were down four to one in the third period, and they rallied to beat Edmonton in OT five to four to take a three nothing series lead. So, Mister Ehlers. You are a player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. Poor Edmonton. Poor Connor McDavid. <laughs> you know, we talked about uh, earlier in the show about the one kind of glaring bad thing on Alex Ovechkin's uh, resume is that he only has, a, only, it's, it's hard to win the cup, but he has one cup in his 16-year career. And how a superstar of that magnitude, you would expect more. And how they've only, and this is still, this blows my mind. In Ovechkin's 16-year career, the Caps have won a second-round series once. That's it. And that was the cup-winning year. You take away that cup-winning year, they've never won a second-round series. Innovation's career. Connor McDavid, who is arguably the best player in the league right now for Edmonton, and granted, he's still young, he's kind of getting that same reputation. And I, I get it's a team sport. I understand it. it. Takes more than one, but when you're the superstar in a team, all eyes are on you. You take most of the credit when your team wins, you take most of the blame when your team loses. That's what happens. That's the way it is. And poor Connor McDavid just can't seem to get it done right now. Again, he has a lot of years left, but they had a four-one lead in the third period. Fourth, and they, oh man, used to be a time where you had a three-goal lead in the third period. That was that was ironclad. Put it in the books. Not anymore. Not in this day and age. Jets come all the way back to win in overtime. That series is over. It's it's not a matter of. If but when. So they're up 3-0. We talked about the Bruins uh, getting rid of the Capitals in five games. The Avalanche, they swept the Blues. That series is over. The Avs, the President Trophy winner, best record in the league. They win yesterday 5-2. They dispatch of St. Louis in four games. That is done. Really one of the best series right now is the Hurricanes and the Predators. The Canes won the first two games at home. Nashville they won the next two at home both of those games in overtime. Very exciting series. Yesterday was a double OT winner. Uh Preds get to the win there uh, 4 to 3. And you talk about uh Nashville goaltender, you see Soros because those last two games went to overtime. He is just the second goalie since 1955-56, to make 50-plus saves in back-to-back playoff games. Curtis Joseph was the other one. (laughs) Curtis Joseph had 61 and then 57 saves for the Blues at Toronto in 1993. That's amazing. Soros tied the franchise record with 52 saves in Game 3, and then he set it in Game 4. That is an incredible series. Uh, Tonight we talked about the Pens and the Islanders. Who else is playing tonight? Sorry, a little music here so I find it. Uh, Four, five? No, that can't be right. Are the Oilers and Jets playing again, back-to-back games? Really? That's what the schedule says. We got Pens Islanders tonight. We have uh, Maple Leafs Canadiens, Lightning and Panthers, uh Lightning to lead that series three to one. That Leafs Canadian series tied one one. The Wild and Golden Knights, uh Vegas leads that series three to one. It says Oilers and the Jets. That can't be right. I gotta I gotta double check that. There's, they never play playoff games in back to back nights, right? Well, who knows? I don't know. It's a crazy season. Anything can happen. All right, reminder, uh, no uh, Nationals game tonight on the station because, uh, well, they're off. They'll return tomorrow. Of course, no Capitals games because their season is over. So there you go. It was It was fun. Look, I'm not a Caps fan. I'm a Penguins fan. But for the sake of business, it was fun being a Caps affiliate this year. I, I, I'm fairly certain we'll pick them up next year for next season. Question is, well, Altovetch can even be there. Because again, he is now officially a free agent. So that is something we'll definitely keep an eye on uh, as we head towards the NHL starter free agency on July 28th. All right. That is it. We are done. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you as always. Enjoy the rest of your day. Whatever you're getting into, be safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Talk about the Pens Islanders, and whatever else happens. 6 a.m. sharp. This is the morning rush. I am Tony C, and I am done. Ah, see.